Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. Homeschooling in elementary can be so fun, but it can also be challenging as well. Young children are learning so much for the first time and every child develops differently. If you're struggling to teach or worried about teaching elementary school, we would love to help you figure it all out. I am Sunny, Sunlight's community manager and a Sunlight mom of two children who have been educated since preschool with Sunlight. My youngest is in second grade right now, so we definitely have elementary school students in our home. And I'm being joined today by Amy and Robin. Let's start with some introductions. Amy, do you wanna tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, I'm Amy and I have homeschooled with Sunlight for many, many years now. I have two in uh, high school and one that is just finishing fifth grade. So I've done I've done elementary in the past um, and not too distant past. So that's my my elementary expertise is three have survived it. So well, thank <laughs> you for being here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so far, right? And Robin, why don't you tell us about yourself? <laughs> Hi, I'm Robin, and um, my oldest is 15. I have a 13-year-old and a nine-year-old, and so we've been homeschooling with Sunlight since you know the very beginning. Um, and and so there there is a lot of experience in terms of the elementary age, um, but also I was an elementary public school teacher, so come I have a little bit of uh, coming from that angle also um, at, at home here. Well, perfect. Thank you both so much for being here. Uh, let's jump right in and talk about how Sunlight makes it easy to teach young kids, because a lot of times this is the first time they're learning, you know, how to read, write, and do everything academically. So how does Sunlight make that easy, and what did you find when you first started teaching your children? Well, from the non-homeschool or non-public school person, <laughs> I didn't have the background at all of how to, how to do it. So, um, I have a, a background in something else entirely and had to start from scratch. So um, having an instructor's guide was an absolute life-changing thing for me. It, it, it is what made it possible for me. So I started with preschool with my oldest now. And so we did you know a, a little simpler version of it than it is now. It's so fun with all that has been added to it even since that time. But um, just the suggestions that are in it for, you know, ideas for how to approach different learning styles and types. And I, I felt like the read alouds just made such a difference for any kid to learn and read that, you know, and hear those things and listen that way. And um, the instructor's guide at every level, I don't know what else to say, but it, it has so much information that to glean from if you don't already know those things. So I never felt like I was left alone. And then Sunlight is so amazing about that you can contact advisors and get help and tips there if you run into a snag at any point. But um, so I used all those. I mean, those were my big tools for learning to teach an elementary age kid. Yeah, I would um, absolutely agree that, you know, I, I was a, a teacher, but teaching your own children at home is entirely different. And I wasn't interested in replicating, you know, the public school experience at all. Um, that wasn't the goal. And so it, it was a bit of a paradigm shift in terms of 
figuring out what's going to work here. Um, and I, I was very much drawn by um, the, the literature based aspect of it in terms of us being able to sit together as a family and spend a large chunk of our day reading great books um, and learning together. But um, I don't know that I'm answering your question, but your question was about, um, you know, what made it more doable? What makes it more doable, I think, for, for anybody is, again, like Amy said, the instructor's guide, because it's all there. It's open and go. You know, when I was getting paid to um, plan, that was one thing. But at, here at home, I, I didn't have the time for that. Um, and so being able to open an instructor's guide where everything is thought out for me, I don't have to spend Saturdays and Sundays, you know, planning or running here and there for that book or this book. And schlepping everybody to the library to gather all the materials, having everything ready to go means that, you know, my school time hours are spent doing school. And so we, you know, we grab books, we sit together, I open the IG and we are off to the races. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, it was important to me that if I was going to do this homeschool thing that I enjoyed what I was teaching. Um, otherwise, I don't think we would still be here. And so yeah, like you too, I love to read and I saw all these great books and thought, well, this looks fun. But I loved the uh, IG aspect of it because I didn't have to figure out am I going to miss something or how do I turn this stack of books into an actual curriculum and make sure my kids are learning what they need Need to because the um, instructors that already has all that information in there. Um, also something that's super helpful, I think, for those more skill-based subjects like language arts, for instance, you don't have to figure out how to teach your child to read because the instructions are in there. You know, today we're learning this letter sound, you know, this is how you write it, this is how you pronounce it, you know, and it builds very gradually. So even those very basic skills that you know how to do, but don't really know how to explain, it's all in there. So you can look at that IG and just kind of read through it and, and then say those things out loud to your kids. So that that is my favorite part that it is. So easy. I also love that Sunlight has now added in a lot of hands-on kits and activities to make it even more fun for creative kids. My youngest is super creative and so having those hands-on things really reinforce learning for him. Um, but let's talk a little bit about learning, especially I think learning to read is one that parents get concerned about because kids do that at such a wide age range. Um, but really anything, pencil grip or any of those types of things, how do you know that your child is within, you know, the appropriate skill level for their age? Or when should you start wondering if you really should be concerned that maybe they're not grasping something that you think that age should? You want to well, start, Robin? <laughs> I can start. Um, so in terms of language arts, because you're right, that is a, a bit of a daunting task for, I think, probably most, um, you know, parents of elementary students, because we're really kind of starting from zero um, and trying to get, you know, to the potential, you know, end point of being a proficient reader. Um, but the, as you mentioned, the instructor's guide has everything planned out. Um, the scope and sequence at the back walks you through all of the things that you're going to be covering uh, over the course of the year. And then in terms of the day to day lesson plans, they're very scripted for you. So if you need that much uh, support as a, as a teacher, it's scripted entirely for you. So it's not going to be, you know, a case of, 
oh, did I forget to this? Or what about that? Or are we going to hit this? It's all going to be there at some point. Um, and you can check the scope and sequence to verify that. But having the script there, for, I think, for a beginner parent or even a parent who's maybe just, you know, slightly distracted, um, it just <laughs> makes it so easy to open the guide. Um, in terms of a student that, you know, there may be some concern of whether or not they're on, on level, um, I think what, you know, given the assessments that we have on the website for finding the language arts level, if, if there was a huge discrepancy in what, you know, the, between the age and the, um, and the ability, then I think that, you know, that might be a time to start to concern yourself. But generally at that age, there's such a wide range of when the children are receiving the instruction. Um, you know, if there maybe have been some gaps or some other things that have been going on in, at home or at previous school uh, settings, um, that they're coming from such a different base point that um, their levels are, are just always different. I mean, my, my three kids, and they all have this exact same, you know, family, home and everything, uh, uh, curriculum. And n I think most of us can say that there's, there is no one way that they all just went and progressed through it perfectly, um, that even in here in my own uh, home. So um, I think that we're going to hit all those topics if we've you know, gone over something several times and there doesn't seem to be any progress, that might be a time where we concern, we back up, we, we look for some um, remedial types of, of activities, but oftentimes those are gonna be included and the way that sunlight hits everything so progressively, but yet naturally and without a lot of, um, <laughs> I always like to say we don't drill and kill them because that was definitely a thing that we did in school. Um, and so there is never any drill and kill here at home. Uh, it's very natural, very gentle. The children are going to enjoy it. Uh, so there isn't a whole lot of pushback and reluctance and that type of thing. It just makes it so easy. Um, but then also to see if there may be some issues, it makes it easy to see that, I think. Well, I'll back up what she said in terms of your kid, your own, in your own home, they're going to do things at different times. And so I have a child that read at four and a child that read at eight. And now it's all come out in the wash. Like they both read great. They're in high school. They're fine. So it's, it's a, I think there's intuition that plays into it. In addition to, I think exactly what Robin said of there are times when you need to check. And if you are concerned about what level your child is on, you should check. You should do things like a, like an assessment, or you should talk to people that you trust and kind of see, you know, what their input is. If you want to ask an advisor, you can ask an advisor, but, um, so your intuition plays into it, but there are also things that I think a little bit of patience goes a long way. If your kiddo is having trouble in something, if you are really meeting a battle, stop it and give it a little bit of time. I mean, stop that activity, wait for a month and then come back to it. And if you have to do it again and wait another month and come back, that's okay. There will come a time when you really are concerned about it and then address it. But a lot of things, a little bit of patience will change everything about, about how things are going. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think about it. You know, I, I love in the language arts, there's now a rubric, which is such a great help with that particular skill of being able to to kind of see where you are. And again, a little bit of patience. If they're not getting all of those things at the first, just give it a little bit of time. And the next time they'll add a new thing that you can mark off that they did great. So those would be my tips on 
you know, the, the skill-based things. Um, I do think mom's intuition plays into it a lot. Yeah, I think that's great advice. What you both said too about your kids are all different. Um, this is something that even I was concerned about because my oldest learned to read very quickly, very easily. She's the type that looks at something and it's memorized. So like even her Bible verses, she learned very quickly. And I assumed, okay, that's what normal <laughs> kids do. And this is, you know, they all start reading it this time. And then my son was the complete opposite. And yeah, that advice to be patient when you know your other child did something else sometimes it's scary of like oh my gosh is this okay is he okay you know but it was actually in the Facebook uh Sunlight Connections group and in the app where I saw other parents saying yeah. similar things and Amy like you said one child reading at four one at eight that I realized oh well he I think he was six at the time and I'm like he's well within the normal range and just because he's not his sister doesn't mean he's not going to learn these things and and sure enough that advice to be patient um and and then we actually took him to the eye doctor and he had some focal issues with his eyes. So sometimes that might be it if, you know, the child's not reading or has a hard time with it. It's that their eyes are not seeing things correctly. Um, but yeah, but there was no cause for concern if I had just held on a little bit longer. But, but I do think that's absolutely normal if you have questions and you're not sure. I mean, definitely reach out to the Sunlight community, our advisors, they are great at allaying those fears by kind of telling you, oh no, that's perfectly normal. Or here's what happened with my kids. And then when you hear those stories, it's like, oh, okay, that's totally fine. Um, but let's talk about choosing those correct levels because I think sometimes we get so excited and we want to push our kids, you know, to the next level, like, oh, let's go, you know, and you both mentioned kind of slowing things down a little bit, but how do you make sure, you know, initially that you choose a level that's gonna be appropriate for that child and you're not pushing too fast. But if you do discover that the child is more advanced and ready to keep going, how do you keep up with them and make sure that the child's enjoying it and you're not lagging behind there? Well, Robin was mentioning earlier the placement tests online. So if somebody comes into the convention booth, which is often where you find each of us, um, and ask those questions, that would be my first line of advice is to go on the, the Sunlight website, look up the homeschool placement tests, and you get those options for reading, for language arts, and for math, for the different maths that are available. And so that's a great starting place in terms of those skill-based things. Um, then I think certainly using the age range that is on the, the different um, programs will help with a starting guide. Um, and then we go back to, if, if you can come to a convention and talk to an, talk to one of the ladies in, in there, they can certainly help. And then an advisor can help as well. If you're, if you're struggling with that sunlight connections is so amazing for the, um, new people to kind of figure some of those things out though, if they've already chosen, you know, then they may have to tweak things, but I, I think that the interest level that your child shows in what you're doing is a good indicator. If, if they're able to communicate, if they're able to answer, if you wanna use the questions that are in the sunlight instructor's guide, just how are they able to communicate what you're learning back and forth? Now, obviously you have unique kids that this would not fit for them, but if they're able to communicate normally and can talk to you about those things, are they getting what you're, you know, what you're reading aloud together? Are they able to talk through it? Do they tell 
you know, somebody, any, you know, their siblings about it or those kind of things can be a good, are we doing what we should be doing? Yes. And I, um, I think, you know, echoing your point earlier about your intuition, if you're reading and spending time with your children, you know, together on the couch and you're reading something that you think is an appropriate book, but there seems to be, you know, no understanding or very little understanding or lots of confusion, then I think that's an obvious time to, you know, take a step back and evaluate, well, you know, are we just not having an interest in this or is there a, a bigger issue that we, we need to take a look at? Um, <laughs> this actually happened to me when my oldest was, I guess he was four or, you know, just barely four maybe. And I wanted to start the uh, pre, pre-K program with him back then. Um, and so I was gung-ho about it. I thought this is gonna be perfect. And uh, I bought it and it came and we began and it just was not working. I mean, there was very little um, attention because <laughs> he was four and he was a boy. And, um, and so I did, I shelved it and I ordered the P3 and we did that as bedtime stories. Um, and so that's just an example of, of some of the times when I've had to readjust, but it's, it's very, I could have sent it back. I could have re returned it, but I knew I was going to need it, you know, when we finished P3. So I just went ahead and got P3 and we worked on that. Um, it's actually happened again in terms of, um, I think it was D yes, it was our D program. And, um, I thought same again, let's do this. It's the next, uh, logical step. Um, and I didn't shelve it, but I did take my time on it. I took about a year and a half with that program, um, purposely for the older, but also for the middle so that he could age into it. Um, and so it's just very, very flexible um, with regard to, to doing those types of things. Um, there was anybody knocking on my door, you know, asking, hey, what, what page are you on in the, in the guide? And so um, very, very easy to just either take a step back or, or take it a little slower. Well, I would love to confirm that because that's exactly what I do. And it was with D. We did D and E over three years for the same reason. I needed the other ones to catch up and it just, it, and it worked. Be everybody else was like, we were just all happier, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's just happier. And doing the two of those over three years, it was the perfect flexibility. So I love hearing that she did that. We had the same experience. And I think whatever level it is, that's the beauty of that. You can do that. And and adjust those things. And you're not holding your kid back. You're not <laughs> the, you may plug right away with math, but you needed to slow down the reading. It's very flexible. And that's one of its great beauties, I think. Yeah. There's nothing that says, oh, this level has to be used in a year. I think sometimes we get hung up on, oh, it's written for 36 weeks. I have to do it in 36 weeks in this school year. But yeah, if you find that it's going too fast, slow it down a little bit or sunlight carries four day versus five days. So maybe you're doing five day and that's too much uh, work for the, where your child's at, you know, drop down to a four day or, or stretch it out. Um, also, as far as like a kid that is super 
advanced and want some more. I mean, anytime that has been the case, like if my kids want more books to read, we just go to the library and we get more books for them to read um, as opposed to pushing forward in their, you know, sunlight program or their level. Um, because you do have to be aware as kids get older, the books get more challenging as far as the subject matters, uh, not just reading levels and things like that. So if your child isn't quite at that emotional maturity level yet to move up, you know, find other books. A lot of our sunlight books are part of a series. So we love to, you know, if we loved this book, we'll go get the other books in the series from the library. And that supplements, you know, for my child who is the voracious reader um, to make sure that, you know, we're still doing stuff and keeping it engaged, but it's okay if it's still kind of easy, some of the schoolwork, um, because you don't want to burn them out. And I know just the amount of things that I have learned doing sunlight with my kids, I feel like I didn't learn anything in my own childhood. So <laughs> I mean, they are still learning and there is so much great information in these sunlight books. So absolutely, um, you know, it's easy to adjust to their pace. Now let's talk a little bit about oftentimes if you've got at least one elementary school student, maybe more than one, you probably have some younger siblings in the mix as well, or you may at some point in whether that be toddlers, babies, both, you know, and so I, I know sometimes that can be a lot to manage when you have the younger siblings causing distractions and things. So how should you as the homeschool parent make sure that you are staying on track with your child who's in school, but still meeting the needs of all of your kids? My biggest advice with little ones is that the little ones go first. So I, I have, I always read to the youngest first and they got that special time to feel like they were focused on and had, um, lots of attention. And that then when I set them down or put them wherever I was putting them or let them play that they were not neglected, you know, they weren't trying as hard to get mommy's attention because they'd had it. And, um, and so then I could move on to read to the others um, at, a, at a higher level. And um, I also involved olders reading to youngers quite a bit so that that would keep youngers involved um, and feel it was a help uh, to me that, that they would do that. And then they're learning as they do it, as they read aloud to the younger ones. So um, those were things there's you know, you, there's no law about when you have to read. <laughs> so if nap time, you know, was the best time to do school, then that's when you do school. So there, and, and play around with different things as to what works. I only ever had one rule and this was actually something from pre from the, the, uh, preschool, the three-year-old, the three and four-year-old, um, that was, there was an advice in there about that. They just needed not to be making noise, but they were gaining so much, even, you know, if they're, if they're hearing it, even if they're playing or drawing or whatever. So that was our rule. You just couldn't make noise when mommy was reading, reading, but you could do other things. So that also helped with the little bitties, um, to that they could move around and play and whatnot, just not be loud. Um, so I, I probably will come and things will pop in as we keep talking about it. Cause it has been a little while, but <laughs> since I had teeny tinies, but nap time and snack time were great schooling times. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, working around those nap times was, I mean, I don't see any other, any other way to accomplish a lot of the things that need to get done over the course of the day. Um, 
And uh, I think as a parent, you in your family, in your home, you have a rhythm, just a natural rhythm. And the, the children or the younger children are going to have a, a natural time when they're, you know, slightly more rambunctious or um, more needy or, or again, the nap time or the snack time, um, those types of things, especially that snack time, I think, or, or lunchtime, all, all the meal times <laughs> when their mouths are full, it's a great opportunity for you to go ahead and get a lot of the reading done. Um, even to them, even while they're eating. I mean, that's fine. Um, or working with the older kiddos. Um, and, and also I like to have a special toy for the little one that she was, you know, that was the only time that she could use that toy uh, or, or puzzle or game or something like that, Legos or blocks or things like that, that are not too loud, um, that were occupying for her so that we could do some some school with my older two. Um, so it's just a matter of finding the rhythms, I think, in your life and finding the things that the, the younger one, that, that are going to occupy the younger one for any period of time um, so that you can get some things done with the olders. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Um, my kids are five years apart. So my daughter was already at that kindergarten age when my son was born. And so I actually discovered baby wearing at that point and would carry him around on my chest or my back while I was teaching her. And he would stay happy because he thought I was holding him like all day long. Um, but then I was able to really focus on her when he was a baby. And then as he got older, he kind of knew like, you know, mommy's doing something with my sister right now. And, you know, and so he kind of learned that. I think even small kids kind of learn what the routine is. And he knew that, okay, once I explained her math assignment to her, then I would come in and play with him or give him whatever he needed. Um, there was a point too, where he went to like a little half day daycare preschool program because he was just so loud and so distracting that I would then knock out everything with my daughter. He did that for about a year um, until she was also at a point too that she could become more independent and had kind of her little stack of things she could do on her own. So that way, if he was he was just very much a babbler and you know would be making a lot of noise, um, then she could go work on those things in a different room. I love what you guys said about when they were eating. That was something I had to do once my son was to that school age of while he's eating, he's in the room with me, he's not going anywhere, he's not making a lot of noise and he was able to focus better and listen to what I was saying when I started teaching him because he was in his high chair or in his booster. So let's talk a little bit about that when you, the kid you're trying to teach is the one that's wiggling or having those focus issues, or maybe you've just read the whole page to them and they can't tell you anything that was on it. I discovered this with my creative child that he would be creating things in his own mind and not actually listening to me. He was tuning me out. So when it comes to issues like that, how do you kind of get a handle on those and, and help the kids still learn and pay attention when that's kind of a new idea to them? I think sometimes, um, you know, sometimes proximity <laughs> works. Um, gather the kid next to you as opposed to, you know, on the carpet or at the table while you're on the couch. Um, having the child right next to me has always seemed to work really well for my children. Um, and then if it was a fiddler, I would have something that she could fiddle with, you know, there on the couch, a little doll or something. But if it was too distracting, um, and there wasn't any any comprehension or attention paid, then then that had to go. <laughs> um, and so it's a matter of you assessing as you're going. 
um, instead of reading the entire chapter and then say, hey, you know, what was the, you know, character doing here at this point? Read smaller sections and then uh, do some assessing at, at those um, intervals, you know, smaller intervals so that um, there is a little bit more focus. I found that those types of things worked um, here. Um, if there was a, uh, a child, I would say that most of my, okay, all of my children are pretty good at listening, even though it doesn't seem like they're listening. They're picking up a, quite a bit more than I, I would think they are. Um, and so my kids, I did allow uh, for them to be playing with the Legos or the blocks if it was not loud. And if they were able to either answer some comprehension questions or uh, retell, you know, some sections of the story to me. All, all true of my home as well, um, really. Uh, now I had a, my second child would not, when, when we would finish reading, she would not answer questions. She hated to be asked questions. But I would see within that next week, some book that we'd read, she, all of the characters for her dolls are now named what we'd read last week. She heard it. She knew, you know, she was comprehending it. She just, it just wasn't how she engaged, right? It wasn't how she interacted. So um, I, that was fine. I could tell she was getting it. I knew that she, I mean, they, she would act out scenes. She's getting it. So I think being open to, you know, your child may communicate some of those things in a different way based on their bent um, is a good thing to be aware of. Um, and then certainly there are some that are struggling with comprehension. And if they really are, well, you need to address that and pay attention. But um, a lot of times their expressions are just a little bit different of how they're, how they're getting it. Well, and that's such a great point too, that the instructor's guide includes all the comprehension questions, but sometimes asking those questions either at the end of the chapter or you know even as you go along that may not be what that child understands i know i discovered that with my son when i was like oh what did so and so do and he goes who's so and so and we're halfway through the book and i'm like how do you not know who so and so is and i said okay what what did i just read about he could tell me the whole story he knew the little boy he just didn't know his name so a lot of times you know the comprehension questions if the child doesn't seem to get those and you ask them okay well what did you hear me say they can tell you what's going on in the story. They know those characters. Or Amy, like you said, it may not even look like they're paying attention, but then there they are acting out, you know, what they just heard in the last week or something. So sometimes you kind of have to play around with how does this child learn? And I know my two children learn very, very differently. And so we kind of have changed some things a second time. Um, another thing, because my son is super creative, he will be off in his creative playland sometimes. And so if we allow him to play with Legos or blocks or another toy, he has to build what's happening in the story because yeah. then he will focus on it versus my daughter. She could be playing the whole time and she's still hearing everything um, because she's less creative. She doesn't have all of the the things happening in her own internal dialogue, I think that, you know, she's she's thinking of other stories. So that's something you kind of learn with the kids. Another thing is that your child does not have to sit down 
to listen or do any of their work. Both of my kids do very well on like an exercise ball or standing at the counter when they write. I mean, as long as they are able to do their work, I think it's important to remember that when you homeschool, you don't have to have them sitting down even on the couch. I mean, they can be moving around, you know, standing. Um, I know I like to work at a standing desk myself as an adult. So why do we expect kids to sit the whole day? Um, so yeah, just kind of play around with it and see, you know, how does your child pick up on that? How do they engage? Um, you know, maybe read the comprehension questions to them before you start reading. That way they know what to look out for and what types of information you're gonna ask. So yeah, just playing around and realize that every child is different, I think, is super helpful. But let's go ahead and talk to you about like the daily tasks or chores, you know, basic things like that. In Sunlight's newer preschool and pre-K, we've really incorporated those Montessori activities in um, where they learn how to, you know, cut things or do basic chores. Um, but what's a good way to keep that going in elementary school and just kind of make it part of the day and the family environment while everybody's there at home? I think, um, one of the great things about being able to have some extra time in terms of being all together as a family um, is you're able to know what their interests are, I think, a little bit easier. And so we can do a lot more of an interest-led type of um, a learning. And so if you've got a kiddo that likes baking or cooking or crafts, I mean, those are really great ways to incorporate, you know, obviously measuring and chemistry and science and um and manipulating things and fine motor skills and those types of things. Um, so I think that that being able to go along with their interests is going to obviously make things uh, much more interesting <laughs> for them. And um, and then I always liked to choose a child that got kind of a rotating three day a week. So one child is going to help with the dinner this day, and then the next child the next day, and the next child the, ne the next day. Um, because not only are we spending a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time, um, we're, we're practicing a lot of life skills um, and we're getting the chores done. <laughs> um, but so same thing goes for almost all, you know, of your household chores, whether it's yard work or, or any of those things. Um, I like to do it on a one-on-one -on -one basis as much as possible uh, because most other things are, are a family, uh, well, at least myself and the kids. Um, and so we can be one-on-one, -on -one, can get a little one-on-one -on -one attention, and we're focused a little bit more, perhaps, and just getting some of those things done. Um, you know, cutting the, the snacks for lunch or all, I mean, all of those things kids can be involved in at some level um, mm -hmm. at, at home. And I love that working one-on-one -on -one with them because that's what my big advice with chores is that children like for you to work with them. They yeah. want to work with you. They love working with you. It's when you send them off to do it by themselves that they, they buck the system. So I, I think working alongside them and, and doing what you can to make it fun, even when it's not fun for you, but your attitude goes so far um, with making it a better environment for them. And, um, and for you, I think if you can push your own attitude and help them to have one, it will pay off in the long run. Um, I'm also a, a chores in the morning, you know, get, get some things done first off that, cause that just sets the tone of, um, you know, we have things we need to do and, and, uh, work to do and you do that and, you know, work with school and whatnot. And then you get 
time because you've done that, you may have some time in the afternoon. You get all to yourself, right? Um, to do the thing you want to do. And then I'm big on doing chores before dinner. You know, usually there's something else that has to be done. And so kind of a, a quick pickup or clean up from something that needs to be done or um, preparation for dinner, those kind of things and, and getting them involved um, so that you, you know, most of us now, if you, if you have a husband that's coming, you know, that works from home, you no longer have the daddy's coming home. And so we got to get ready. Um, he's always there, but um, which is our situation. Um, but we, st we still kind of, you know, clean up for dinner and that kind of thing still is a good setting, setting that some, you know, just daily things that need to be done at appropriate times. Yeah. I think too often as parents, we just want to do everything. And then one day we look at an older child and say, okay, go do this. And we realize we've never actually taught them how to do that. So I think when you're already homeschooling, it, it becomes a little more natural to, oh, you're with me right now. Do you want to help me make lunch? And then, you know, by the time they're a little bit older, now they can make, you know, sandwiches on their own or whatever it is, you know, that you were working on when they were younger. And then they become independent and develop those skills as they get older, whether it's cooking, cleaning, you know, running errands with you, you know, those types of things. So yeah, I absolutely agree. I think when you've got the kids there anyway, invite them to help you. And that way you can really teach them, well, this is how I do this, you know, and, and oh, you missed that spot. Let's try this again, you know, make it fun. Um, and then that way, as they get a little bit older, then you can say, go clean your room before you come downstairs for school. And they're not just looking at a mess and not sure what to do. So yeah, I, I agree. I'm a big proponent of, you know, do basic chores in the morning. I am a neat person naturally. And so if my space is messy, it, it just sets me off for the whole day versus, you know, okay, let's get things picked up. And now school is relaxing because there's not a mess all over the living room floor, you know, whatever it may be. So love to do that, especially with elementary kids, because they're at a really helpful, fun age for that. Um, but let's talk to you about keeping the school part fun, or how do you really instill and develop that love of learning? I think this is something that's so easy with sunlight, um, but what are some ideas, you know, to, to make that fun so that your kids really do fall in love with learning at that early age? I love, I love a good field trip to, <laughs> to bring something, you know, that like almost as a reward for some of the things that we've read about to keep things fun. I mean, I think the sunlight books are so fun. We have so much fun just reading them that it's, I mean, that's a gimme. It really is pretty easy that way to, to either we're laughing about something or crying about something because it was moving and all of those things add to the enjoyment, you know, overall of, of doing those things. But you know, F is not elementary, but just as an example with, with the F um, history Bible literature program for sunlight, we were studying about a bunch of different countries. So we went to as authentic a restaurant as we could that served food from that country. And my kids, that was their favorite year. They, <laughs> they loved eating all over town. Um, that kept it fun. It was, it, it, you know, but things like that. I mean, when we were studying American history, I tried to, if we couldn't actually go somewhere, we might look, you know, look at pictures of that place online or, um, but just exploring more deeply the thing that we're, we're reading about, if you can do something in person, you know, even better or celebrate, you know, I know we're not supposed to be advocating movies, right. But 
but maybe that was something. Hey, we finished this. And so we're going to celebrate by watching the movie of that. If it was a good representation of, of the time that we, that we've done. Um, so, uh, you know, on occasion, uh, saving one of the books to do because we were going to go on a driving trip and we could listen to that book maybe all together so that daddy could be incorporated in it as well would make it a little different and fun. Yeah, I was going to say that exactly about the movies. So many of the books um, in the elementary grades are are adapted to a movie. And so that would be something to look forward to at the end of the book was that we would spend a Friday afternoon and, you know, gather together with popcorn and snacks and watch the movie. Um, and then the other thing um, is that, like, like Amy said, and it's a given that sunlight makes it just about as easy and pleasant as it can possibly be because we are sitting on the couch for the big chunk of the day, reading together, learning together, having discussions about the things that we're learning, um, you know, together, not, oh, well, let me have a discussion with this one. And then I'll read this and have a discussion with that one. It's together for the majority of the day, uh, instead of, you know, at the table working on worksheets, again, drill and kill, um, because there just is very little um, in terms of a, a written out, output that can seem daunting to a child. Even the written output that we do incorporate is extremely doable. Um, and it's not an overkill of a situation on a day-to-day -day basis. So truly, I, I can't imagine a curriculum that is gonna make it more fun, more engaging, more of a relaxed um, home life, truly, because it's a large chunk of our of our life is 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 using the curriculum. And so the fact that it is so pleasurable, it just makes it just as easy as it could be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love to use the books as a jumping off point. Like Amy, what you said, cooking your way through F, we did the same and tried all the different foods. Um, another thing my son loves to get on YouTube and watch just like random people's vacation videos of them walking around in the place that we've read about um something about like seeing what it looks like now you know seeing these buildings hearing people speaking in different languages you know if it's set in a different country i mean all of that he just loves that so we use youtube a lot um we've also done the movies let's compare the movie to the book we just read and see how similar or different they are um but i think being home and homeschooling and seeing you know, your kids will see you get excited by things. They will see you be moved by books and they don't have classmates, you know, criticizing their love of that story or, you know, saying, oh, well, that's not cool or whatever, you know? And so I found my kids, even from an early age, if I got into something, they also got into it. And it it's so fun now that they're a little bit older to go to museums because they get just as excited and engaged in whatever we're learning about as like their dad and I would. So yeah, I think you have a really unique opportunity when you homeschool to instill that love of learning in them because they see you also getting excited or learning new things. Like I said, I learned so much in reading stuff to them and, oh, I didn't know that. And I think they find that kind of fun too. Like, oh, mommy's an adult and she didn't even know that. 
that, you know, <laughs> all of those things. So, so yeah, sunlight makes it super fun, super easy, I think, to, to just incorporate those things in your daily life. And ladies, I really appreciate you both being here and sharing your experiences with us. Um, for anyone watching that, you know, is new to this whole homeschool thing or, or not sure what to do, again, I encourage you to join the Sunlight Connections community in the app and on Facebook. Um, or if you need more specific help, you know, reach out to one of our advisors. But there's so many resources and so many great ideas that you get from other Sunlight parents and from our mentors and advisors, you know, that could really help you out and, and walk along with you on this homeschool journey. So thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app, or at sunlight.com. I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.